Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This to me is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly grew Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind <laughs> just oh man so how's life treating y'all <laughs> oh it's going okay you know cool. holidays it's busy yeah. yeah 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 i understand i understand how's it going steve uh it's going sorry i scared you earlier i was taking a, a power nap there and uh, right. <laughs> like seven missed calls from but you were an hour, hour early weren't you i was an hour early but i'd rather be an hour early than you know Late and yeah. I swear I told myself fifty times it was seven central and it's my eight o'clock, but I just that seven just stuck in my mind. So I'm like making everybody eat fast, like hurry up and eat. Well, we got three <laughs> times that we've got three time zones represented here, you know. Yeah, we got all we got uh, Pacific, Central, and Eastern. So it's amazing. It is amazing because, you know, not not that many people's lifetime ago, this would have been totally impossible, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. One, <laughs> yeah. One, gener- one generation ago. Think about how yeah. think about how you would have had to pay. I think you mentioned this in the book. I think Steve actually mentions this, where uh, Oak Ridge to Knoxville was 
long distance. It was like a day's journey. Yeah, I remember uh, my grandparents came from Ramsey, Straw Plains, that area. And my dad or my granddad would ride a mule from um, Strawberry Plains to Knoxville and back. And it would take all day. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine? Well, yeah. 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 I mean, we're talking about like, what? I mean, that's like 17 miles, 20 miles, something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it's quite, it's quite incredible just to think about. I mean, in our lifetimes, how much has changed. I remember picking up a phone when I was little, when I was living in the farmhouse and it was a party line, you mm-hmm. know, and I, many a time I got in trouble for listening to, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that when I was a kid. Listen to all the neighbors, and they can hear you pick up. Yep, jibber jab. Yeah, they were just going on about whatever. But hey, that was we, so fun. Just to let you know, we've already started recording. So, oh, cool. Yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this new thing where I want it to be more organic. But I do uh-huh. have to say that uh, we are glad that Rob is is here. He's kind okay. of, uh, he's been absent the last three shows. He's been working I've, his butt off. Yeah. I've, yeah. Way to lay on the guilt, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, good, I'm good at that. What can I say, you know? At least he's working. I mean, you know, yeah. gosh, that's a legit excuse. You know, you want to try to get it in. I mean, you got to come up with the money for the holidays, like I said. Exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. that's so much. Thing goes up. Everybody wants to be comfy, cozy, and get somebody they love something. It's cool. It's and- it's not like it's not like Luke, who's just like, oh man, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Man. <laughs> Life as a fry cook is so hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My girlfriend's giving me a hassle, bro. And like, oh, I just don't know. So yeah. we, we got a new so co- we got a new co-host, uh, Serfiel. Huh? Uh, I don't think you guys have met him. How you guys doing? Is he there? Yes, I'm He's right here. here. Yep. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice uh, to meet you. Nice to meet y'all too. My name is Serfiel, and I was a uh, I was a fan of the show. Who has been? Uh, I've been welcomed into the fold for oh, a few cool. right months here, and uh, having a great time. Yep. Well, you don't know Steve and I. Steve and I are a little, little, little crazy too. So we'll fit right in. And uh, <laughs> I've known Adam. Adam and Rob now? How long has it been? This is our first oh, time. Oh, man. So I, I want to say that we had you guys on. I mean, we've had Steve on multiple like, since 2015, I think. So it's, yeah, been, it's been about been three a few years. years. But uh, I think we've had you on, Cisco, now. I think like April of 2017. So yeah, we're coming possibly. up on a couple of years. So it's been. Yeah, wow. It's been a good. It's been a good little while since we had yeah. since we had you both on, and at that time you hadn't even. I don't think you, I think you had just started on this book. Very possibly, yeah. Because I mean, it was about. I'm going to say a good two two and a half years in the making, Steve. Because yeah. it took Steve a long <laughs> time to to uh, convince us. I mean, I don't know. Do you want to hear the kind of story how it happened? You want to? Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you want to. Well, let's. I'm gonna. What's the? Uh, give the full title of the book for everybody. What? What, what is it full, called? The, the full title is "We Are All Children in the Wilderness of the Afterlife: A Guided Tour Through a Haunted Life." Okay. And basically, my take on that was I was trying to find a way to say, you know, basically, last frontier. You know, the unexplored, like um, 
you know, we, we, we've gone into space. We know some things. We know, you know, some things about the ocean. And But everybody's got questions about the afterlife, you know. We, nobody knows. Everything is theory and hope, you know, or, or, or you have nothing or it's just, you know, boom, that's it. It's over. So that's basically what I mean by that. And it was really neat because we, we, we met through Zariah, our, you know, everybody knows Zariah. And oh, we yeah. were on, I think Steve was on his show. I was on his show. And then he told Steve, Hey, I think, you know, you guys have a lot of the same type of stories and experiences. You should get together and talk. So he had us both on the show. Steve and I talked uh, right before that, and I think we had like a four or five hour conversation. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was just like, I've got this person you need to talk to, and then I'm going to have you guys on the show. And yeah, first call, we exchanged information. I think I called you, you called me, whatever. but yeah, we talked for hours. Steve has written all these fantastic books and put all these stories down, and he basically said, man, Cisco, you got some really good stories. If you don't write them down, they're gone. And I never wanted to be that person that said, you know, buy the book or it's in the book. I never wanted to be that. But he did make sense. And I said, mm -hmm. well, for for that reason and that reason alone, that I decided to write it and put some of my experiences in there. And I told him, but you bastard, you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Steve, what, what you have done, and uh, there may be some people out there that don't know you. Uh, maybe I've not heard some of the stories, but basically what you have done, you've preserved a lot of your own kind of family stories. And incidentally, yeah, you, are, you are from mm -hmm. our area. You're from Tennessee. so Yeah, I'm from, from East Tennessee. Grew up there out on the West Coast now. But yeah, I grew up just, you know, how the South has such an oral tradition. You sit around, you, you swap stories and stuff. In some cases, not everybody does. Uh, there were people that I had to basically drag it out of them with a log chain to get them to talk. But that was what I thought, you know, just like my grandmother and all these people that told all these fantastic stories, just about everybody, especially in the first book, everybody that told me those stories are gone. And in some cases for decades, and, but I, I had an epiphany at my grandmother's funeral laying there and she was just, I'd never seen her so still because, you know, she was dead. And I'm just like, you know, all those stories, all that stuff, everything, it's, it's right there with her. And I just thought, you know, I got to retell these. And then that led to talking to other people and remembering stuff because I was uh, a late in life child. My brother was 17 years older than I, only sibling. Wow. And so my parents, you know, basically it's like raising two separate families. And, uh, time I came along, all their friends were much older, so there weren't any kids or anything for me to play with. So when we go visit, I would bug the adults to tell me a story. Mm. And that's how a lot of that came about. But everybody knows, no, I don't believe in that. But there's this one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, isn't it true? I mean, it takes a... I know, I know Steve also wrote a book about yeah. his own personal experiences, but it does take a little bit of you know, th th these stories are kind of personal, you know yeah. what I mean? And to put that out there, y y you're certainly not doing it for the money. I don't know where these people get the idea that if you write a book, you know, you're coasting now, you know, <laughs> that's not, that's not the way it works. You know, it's not the way it works. I mean, you could, you could sell books from here to, you know, kingdom come and you're not really making, 
But that's not the point. You don't do it for that. You do it for what we said. You put them down. So my kids have them. Their kids have them. Um, and you put a lot of heart and soul in it. You know, I mean, the stories that I told, I mean, there's many times I said, okay, Steve, read it. You know, he, he'd read it and he goes, oh, my God, this is really good. And I'm like, what? Really? And I'm like, this is how it happened. And you try to write it in a way where the person is there. You try to describe it. I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I just told it the way it was. And Steve is like, I felt like I was there. I could see it. You described it great. You know, and, you know, he'd look at it. and He'd edit, you know, edit just, you know, punctuation, spelling, whatever. And then I'd get it back and we write it again. It's not a process where it takes 10, 15 minutes to do this. There's a lot. You know, there's some chapters in there that really rip me, you know, because I'm going back through some really emotional stuff. But I figured if I didn't say it the way it happened, I'm not being true to myself or the reader. So I had to, yep. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Cisco, you describe yourself in the book as an empath. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that means. Like what exactly well, it is that you, that you, sure. how you define that. Right. Okay. As far as I would define it, and it's by no means the definition, because anybody you talk to is going to tell you a little bit different. But basically what it means is there are different kinds of empaths, but mostly empaths can are extremely sensitive to other energies that are out there, which means from the living, say, you can... Uh, I can walk into a restaurant and as I'm walking past people in booths, sitting there going about their day, eating in separate booths, as I'm walking by, I can, I can tell if that person is extremely depressed or in pain or worried or very happy or nervous. I'm picking that up as I'm walking through. Um, it's <clears throat> 10 times stronger with animals. So, like, I can't go to the zoo. I have a hard time going to anything like shelter really? or something. Yeah, because the animals are so scared and it's so hyped up, um, that kind of thing. Um, so, if I'm getting that from the living, I can also pick that up from the dead, depending on what type of um, a haunting or a ghost it may be, if you know what I mean. So, you, we all hear things like... People going to look at houses, say you're going to buy a new house, and that person walks in, and before they ever get out of the car, they go, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm, not come, I'm not going in there. I'm not buying this house. That's an empathetic feeling, you know. So I think each person that I've talked to that, that, that says they're an empath, or at least they might not even know they're an empath, they kind of describe it that way. And then there's empaths that go out to different levels, like, say, when the world is in a, in a mess you know, they're, they're very agitated and they can feel it or before storm weather wise, you know, they can pick it up just like animals do. Animals act funny before a hurricane or tornado. You can feel different pressure and energy in the air. Um, all of that can be an empath. As far as myself, like I said, I'm extremely sensitive to animals and people and the dead. And that's kind of how my empathetic, uh, empathy comes through. And you have to learn how to, make, how to shut that off. And for yeah. years, it was very difficult to decipher 
what was mine and what was somebody else's. And I think that's what really makes people crazy, especially in their young teen years. If you're trying, trying to decipher that, you know, if you're an empath and you're picking up, say your parents are always fighting or, you know, whatever it may be, school job, and you're picking up on other people's feelings. How do you know that's not yours? You know what I mean? You kind of have to let it, you have to get yourself down to like a clean slate meditating wise and chilling and grounding. And then if you walk out into like, say go grocery shopping or something and you start picking up all these erratic feelings, it gets a little bit more noticeable, you know, but of course I'm no expert, you know, you get an expert on here to explain it completely different, but that's basically what it boils down to. Has it ever been that, something that's been completely overwhelming that you yes. walk into some place and you say, well, I, I just got to go. I can't, Absolutely. I can't stay here. All the time. All the time. <laughs> I can't go to a mall. My yeah. husband was extremely lucky when he met me. And I tell him that all the time. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't like shopping. I don't like jewelry. I make my own jewelry because I know where the stones come from. I, you know, put my own self into it. Um, I don't like, uh, you know, even say, okay, this is going to sound really weird, but bear with me. Diamonds. I, um, I, I dislike diamonds hmm. big time because of what they come from. Do you know how much, you know, uh, pain you know, to get that diamond, whether it's been mined or, you know, the, the, the village in Africa, wherever it came from. You know, the whole blood diamond thing? Yes, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't get a good feeling off, off them. You know, to me, it's, I'd rather have, you know, something else. I'd rather have, you know. So it sounds like there's a little bit of like a psychometry in there as well. Like uh-huh. you're picking up oh, yeah. feelings uh-huh. from an object. Uh-huh. I just don't like it. And I know where they come from. You know what I mean? To me, it just, I just get a lot of negative from it. So I'm not into it. Malls. I hate shopping. It's just, it's just too, it's just too draining. You know, I really don't like malls at all. There's been places I'm married to a musician and he goes a lot of different places to, to get new equipment and things like that. And he pulled into the parking lot. The minute I opened the door and put my foot on the blacktop, I pulled it back up. I said, I'm not going in here. I don't know what happened on this land, but the minute I put my foot on that blacktop, I, I, I don't like it here. You can go. I'll wait, but please be fast because it just, it feels like a draining. Um, uh, I, I can't explain. Have you ever walked onto a battlefield and you just get that real heavy, um, cumbersome feeling like a yeah. weight? Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. You know, and the closer you get to whatever the source may be, the more intense it gets. So if I don't have to put myself through that, I don't. If I'm going into a place I'm prepared for it, then you're prepared for it. You ground yourself. You do other things. You do. I personally choose, you know, protection. I've got, you know, a huge faith base. Um, And, you know, I pull in all of that. And then I prepare myself for it. Then I'm walking into it with a purpose. It's kind of like, you know, I guess I pull off my Native American and, um, you know, that that tribal sense of, um, well, I can explain it like this. When you see, when you see um, portrayed in a movie, Native Americans getting ready for battle, they're usually putting on face paint and, 
and doing things like that. They're preparing themselves. And that has some to do with camouflage, but mostly what it has to do, it's like a ceremony of pulling out what they call their shadow person. And their shadow person is what they keep inside to do what they what they have to do next, like whether it's war or hunt or whatever. You have to pull out your inner warrior and pull it and put it forward. Does that make sense? Hmm. So it's like a little ritual that they're pulling that out, putting it forward. But they also know how to put that back, put the warrior back and put it back to sleep so you can go on about your day and be a normal, regular person. You know, very much like soldiers have to do, except in a lot of cases, we don't teach the soldiers how to put that back. We just tell, bring it forward, and that's it. And they don't teach them how to reground and put all that back to sleep. You know, yeah. it's silly up front. And it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, we've, so we've, if, we've yeah. talked a little bit about this kind of stuff, about like kind of like the, uh, the warrior culture. And like we had a guy on talking about wolves and, uh, he was, we were, we were talking about how like the, a lot of cultures would do that where they would separate the like young men and, and teach them how to be warriors. And they grounded them in some kind of sense of that. And like, we don't really do that anymore. Like some of the, some of the ancient cultures, I think were much more in tune with uh, the world and, and humanity than we are now. <laughs> I think we're just very um, quick to get up and have to do, you know, what do I have to do next? So you hit the ground running yeah. and then drop at the end of the day and then you get up and you do it again. But if you, you know, there's so many, it's not just Native American, it's whatever uh, tribal culture, you know, it's, it's, it's different spiritual paths. It's people who are musicians and find their quiet there and ground there. Um, creative people, artists, you know, anybody that has something that they do that replenishes their energy and their joy, if that makes any sense. Yes. They, different people find different ways to ground, even though they're not calling it that. Now, if you want to add on the metaphysical side of the whole thing is where grounding sounds so uh, mystical, you know, and I've had many people ask me, well, I don't know if I can do this grounding. And I'm like, do you take a shower, <laughs> you know, or do you take a bath? Mm -hmm. They say yes. And I say, well, you know, do you take a shower? Yes, shower. I say, okay, first of all, you're pretty much naked when you get in there, right? Cool. Get in there, turn on the hot water, close your eyes, put your palms against the wall and just look. Look up at the water and just repeat whatever mantra you wish, you know, and imagine the water coming down on you is like a golden light and it's just washing all the negativity out and down the drain. And when you're done doing all of that, go nice and slow as, you know, as, 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 as much as you want to get into it, you know, you could do just a simple mantra of, you know, I'm happy, I'm healthy, you know, it's going to be a good day. Whatever you want to do, you know, any kind of, if you want to pray, if you have a song you want to recite or sing, but poetry, whatever calms you, just let it all go down the drain. And then before you're done, imagine all of the good energy coming up out of the earth and just refilling you with good energy. You try it that way. You don't have to get into a lot of other stuff. If you want to add other things, if you want to do fire gazing, like I'm looking at a candle right now, if I stare into this flame 
And I just imagine the same golden light going through me and then pulling up good energy out of the earth. Is it just imagining it that makes it so? Is it some kind of just a calming thing? I don't know. I don't have those answers, but I know it works. You see what I mean? Whether it's um, like listening to own certain frequencies, such as in Buddhism or drumming and how many different cultures do that. See, and it's what works for you or any combination of those things. So that's how I look at it. I don't look at, I look at it, yes, it's the big mystery cool thing, but it's also a very simplistic thing that personal to you and what works for you too if that makes sense it does steve do you find yourself having to do these kind of things yourself oh yeah i've i've had that kind of experience from from childhood and luckily i had my grandmother that since that i had the, those abilities and she kind of warned me she would say you know you, you feel things and made me understand that there was you know, a lot out there that we don't know about and how to accept it and how to deal with it and how to shut it off. But I have that too. I, I ground myself a lot of times it's something just as simple as going outside barefoot. Yeah. That can, and it's like she said, you just, you have to imagine that negative energy shedding off of you and you bring it back in. But uh, I'm not as empathetic as, as Cisco, but I do experience some of the same things. I too, I can walk through a restaurant. I can tell you who's having marital problems, who's happy who's depressed uh, there's certain places i can't go like nursing homes and things like that it just unless yeah. i'm fully prepared and you know have my crystals and stuff with me hey whatever works it'll just it'll drain you uh, one of the worst experiences i ever had um i had to go to east Tennessee children's hospital in knoxville one time uh to visit a, a friend uh, whose daughter was in there something minor but i went to visit in that place it's just it was just overwhelming because you've got these innocent children in there, some of them in just incredible pain. Mm. And there's almost like an evil aura that surrounds that. There are, mm-hmm. in my experience, it felt like there were things there that were dark that were feeding off that pain. Yes. Uh, and interesting. Just like, that was dude, the theme of our here. last show <laughs> with Nick Redford. We talked about kind of the yes. paranormal parasites, that whole uh-huh. concept. Yeah, very interesting should that we, you say that. Should we tell them about the battlefields? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you go on a battlefield, I have a, a, a couple of people that just do battlefield rescue. And I'm very into that because the whole soldier leave no man behind thing. And um, I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, where do you cut that off? You know, I, I don't know how to do that. You know, because I'm, well, empathetic. So, <laughs> and I'm a soldier, and I just believe that when you go there, and there's a confused anybody, but for Pete's sakes, a soldier is so caught up in war and, you know, just repeating things over and over again. And you've got all different kinds all in the same place. Some know they're dead, some don't. Some are repeating stuff over and over again. Some are there and just staying there because they don't know what else to do. They might be afraid to go to the next step, whatever you might call the next step. You know, the other side. What's the other side? I, just, I don't know. But 
you shouldn't have to stay there and, and, and suffer. Once is enough. Once is too much. Yeah, so especially in that many capacity. people go in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, many people go in to do, like I said, battlefield rescue. And I was, uh, I got a call one night, um, from a friend and he'd been doing it for, oh gosh, 15 years. And he says, Cisco, you know, that when you go there, um, there are going to be things who don't want you to, to, you know, enlighten these beings to tell them what's going on. You know, you're going to have to fight. Right. And I said, absolutely. The parasites, right. He said, oh yeah. He said, it's like a buffet for them. They want Mm -hmm. them to suffer. They want them to continue and go through that pain and cry out and scream. And they just hover and just suck it all in. And I'm like, okay, you know. This is essentially what you uh, could think of as like a demon, really. Well, yeah, but there's also negative entities as well. Yeah. You know, Uh. yes, I would say on every level, from human to ancient, if you know what I mean. Sure. Wouldn't you say, Steve? I mean, look at the green-eyed monster. What, what is old green eyes? Oh, that's yeah, that's <laughs> Chickamauga. In, um, uh, Chickamauga battlefield Chickamauga. there, Fort Oglethorpe, just outside that's of Chattanooga. Up a lot on this show, actually. <laughs> if you've never been there, go. But like I said, oh, be I've prepared. Been there, Steve. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, and I talked about this in the book, but there is something about Civil War battlefields in particular that have an even stronger. Feeling, I, I don't uh-huh. even know how to describe it, but I've been to battlefields. I've been to World War One battlefields in France. I've been to uh, different battlefields in Europe, uh, even in Korea and places like that where there's been conflicts. But and they, you can feel that tragedy and that sense of loss there to a degree. But there's just something about the Civil War battlefields, particularly in the South, there. And that will just, it'll knock your socks off, especially if you're not expecting it. And I don't know if it's because instead of some you know foreign enemy, it was literally brother against brother. It was us killing us, you know, and I think that may have something to do with it. Plus the fact that the majority of the soldiers were very, very young mm-hmm. and... They're just uh, like in Knoxville there, you know, the Battle of Fort Sanders, place like that, where they had this huge ditch that they filled up with bodies to the point that they could walk across the ditch because it was so full of dead people. You know, that's got to leave some kind of indelible mark. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, it's rough. And I do believe, too, that there's there's multiple levels. And Steve and I have talked a lot about this, too, that if you think about just the sheer intestinal fortitude of the American soldier. I've never seen anything like it. And I don't care what war you're talking about. They're just absolutely amazing. Um, Whether you're going through, you know, just your training exercises or you're in actual combat. I've never, they don't give up, you know, and they're fighting for the guy standing next to them. It has nothing to do with the politics. It has nothing to do with all the stuff going on back home and the boardrooms and the bullshit. It has to do with the guy standing next to you. You're going home that day. And that didn't change from 100 years ago. And these kids, these kids, you know, they're talking. They go to the local store in town to hear about what's coming up because, you know, very few newspapers, they were 
were, you know, more like the local holler, you know, and it's posted on the door at the local um, general store or somebody is standing there reading it because not everybody, you know, read back then, not as well. And they're hearing these things coming up. Well, is there going to be a war? Well, this state seceded and this one's gone. Well, we have to fight for our rights and they're fighting for their state rights. And then the whole town, you know, they had these carts that would go through the town filled with women, you know, the local women, you know, and then they join us, join us. And they all jump on the cart thinking, well, what else are we going to do? Are you going to stand on the side and watch everybody, you know, in the town, jump on that cart and sign up and be the only one not going? You, of course not. You know, you're going to join. And, and, you know, the 12 year olds and 13 year olds and 14 year olds, they wanted to join too and had to be turned away, you know, and you've got your very old doing it as well. I think at least in the civil war, they were anywhere between 17 and 80 years old. That's you're wiping out the town there. You know, some, some towns um, of young men did get wiped out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, they thought the first battle, which was uh, Bull Run or Manassas, they were both, you know, um, had two names. They had the townspeople took picnic lunches and carriages and dressed (laughs) up to watch this because they really thought it was going to be over in one shot. And boy, were they surprised. You know? I'll never forget that. My brother showed me some pictures that he had found. He was a big Civil War historian. And there was these people up on a bluff. They're in their finery, you know, their, their silk coats and their dresses. And they, they're sitting there having a picnic. And down below in this field, you can see the sides drawn up. Confederates over here. You know, people are just like, you know, we're getting ready to watch a football game. And we're tailgating. Yeah, nobody understood. But then in the, the next picture, <clears throat> excuse me. The people are gone. The picnic stuff is there just in a disarray, and there's bodies, you know, laying on the field. Yeah. And that's these people were thought that was, you know, let's go watch the war. And then it was like, you know, oh my God, there's people getting their heads blown off and getting their limbs blown off and stuff. Let's get out of here. So I just, I don't know what possessed them or what they expected or they just didn't they, expect. they had no but, concept of war. I mean, they yeah. they really didn't. I mean, what. I mean, the the Mexican War was kind of this remote thing. It didn't last very long. War of 1812 didn't really last that long. So, mm-hmm. and, and it was, what, you know, 50 years in the in the past. And they had no real concept of what war was. And, and really, the technology had gotten so much better that it was so much easier to kill people. And they had no concept of that. But let's... Um, <coughs> I want to talk about some of the stories from the book. Sure. Um, this is one that really stood out to me. And some of the, some of the, uh, we've actually talked about some of the stories uh, we talked about in the, in the previous interview. So these are things that I kind of wanted to pick out from the book that we have not talked about that were kind of like, uh, some of these are some interesting stories, Cisco. Um, I got to tell you. Uh, you got, you got, some, yeah. you got some creepy ones as, I'm as telling, well. babe. As well as some endearing ones. Uh, the snot hag. This was... <laughs> she had, this was, he had to bring up the signing. Just cold chill bumps. As soon as you said it, it went right up my arms. It still happens, that old hag, man. Oh, you, you, you still see her? Yeah. No, I don't see her. I only okay. need to see her once. Uh-huh. And, it's last, and it's lasted this long. Isn't that incredible, though? 
we all have that one thing that just like woo, shakes you to the core. And I mean, I mean, my, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll go into a dark basement in Gettysburg with no problem whatsoever. That one makes makes my feet shake. She really does. So, that was. So what never, happened? What happened in this one? Well, I mean, I can tell you from the beginning because it really it doesn't make sense without it. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. I'm a little kid. Um and my mom and I moved around a lot. She was a single mom. She was always going for the better job or the better, you know, better neighborhood and stuff like that. So we were staying in um, a summer bungalow in uh, right not far from where I am now in the Jersey Shore. And it was summer bungalows are a lot of glass for the view, right? So behind us was this little woods, and um, it was just a real nice little neighborhood, very quiet. And I'm sitting there. It's like Saturday morning, Sunday morning, something like that. No, I think it was Saturday because I was watching cartoons. And I start hearing this hustle and bustle from the other side of the house. And the way the house was laid up, it was like a shoebox. You know, it was just everything was straight through. You walk from one room into the next, into the next, into the next, into the next. And the, there was a bathroom off of one side. It was the only room that was off. And I hear this bustle coming out of the kitchen. And I go running in there. And it's my mom and like the chairs getting knocked over and she's running around the kitchen saying everything at once. Like, don't let it get you. Get up on the chair. Get me a broom. She's saying almost all at once. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? There's this hubbub. And then all of a sudden I see this gray streak run across the kitchen floor that was either the ugliest cat I have ever seen (laughs) or the biggest rat I had ever seen. And I was scared and I was scared because she was so scared, you know, well, it turned out to be a possum and I had never seen one up close before and it's hissing. And I mean, the teeth (laughs) on these things. Well, every she'd scoot it one way and it would go the other. And I'm telling you literally in that small kitchen tables are being knocked over. The flower vase is being knocked over And she's telling me to get up on the chair, get out, do this, do that. And I'm trying to do everything all at once. Open the door, you know. So I jump up on the chair and I lean over and I try to open up the side door so it'll go out the door. And it goes the other way. She's going running after it. And I don't know what she had in her hands, a dish towel, something. She's screaming and yelling, trying to make it run. Well, I go run into the front door, go outside and run around to the front door to open it up, hoping that that way it would go out the front door because now I'm worried for it. I'm worried for her. I'm worried for me. I'm worried for everybody. So it was kind of like really intense. And when I got to the front door and I held, held the front door open, it took a turn and ran toward the back. And somehow my mom had a shovel. I don't know whether she went out the back and grabbed it, you know, right out. It was probably right outside the door. She used to do a lot of gardening. And then she scooted off or what? But somehow this woman had a shovel. She goes running in and I hear all this door slam and a bunch of commotion. And I'm just standing there froze with the front door open, hoping to God this thing will run out the door. The next time I see my mom, she's got a pillowcase in one hand and the shovel in her other hand is her hair is all hanging down in her face. And she's just <gasps> and I'm looking at the pillowcase she's holding. It's got this blood stain growing on the outside oh, of it. Oh, no. And she just looks at me and she, I guess she saw, I saw that she'd killed it. And I was always big with animals. And so was she, 
And she said, I'm so sorry. I had to. I had to. And now I feel like I got to save my mom because I didn't like seeing my mom like that. She was really ripped. You know, it, it hurt her to kill this animal. Yeah. And I told her, I said, let's take it outside and bury it, mom. So she's like, yeah, let's do that. So we go out the back in the, in the flower garden, off to the side, kind of into the woods a little. And we dig a hole. And we're burying it. Now, I'm a little kid, and I finished, you know, patting it all down and everything. And while she was digging this hole, she's crying. She's tore up, probably from the fear and everything else, you know. Um, and I pulled this ribbon out of my hair, and I decided to put a couple sticks together make a little cross because I just felt like I had to do something. I know it sounds silly now, but I did it. And she walked off, put the shovel up, said, I'm going back in the house. Come in and wash your hands when you're done. And I said, okay. And I didn't know what else to do. And I had been going to Sunday school, and I decided there was a song about animals and something else. I can't remember it now, but I started singing this song just because I felt like I needed to get it all out, too. And I'm singing this song, and then as I'm singing it, I'm on my hands and knees patting down the dirt, and I could feel something watching me. I can't explain that. I just felt like something was there watching me. And I look up and I thought my mom had come back out. It was that intense. Like somebody was standing right there. And when I looked up, I could see in the kitchen, the screen door was uh, closed, but the other door was open. I could see my mom by the kitchen counter pouring a glass of uh, Chianti. (laughs) So she was going to have a little wine. And I remember thinking, yes, she probably needs that, you know. And I just after the possum battle. Yeah, yeah, after the possum battle. Yeah. And I remember looking back down and finishing what I was doing and getting ready to get up. And it felt worse. And I just felt this whole wash of I don't want to say fear, but it was definitely at that time I didn't know. Now I call it evil. It was just a really intense, bad energy, and it was getting closer. And I looked up, and when I looked up directly in front of me, now this was a a wood a wooded area, but it was a lot of thin trees, lots of it was getting to be fall. There was leaves on the ground, lots of leaves. And I looked up, and through the trees, I could see this woman standing there. Now she's, um, I honestly remember the first thought other than being startled, somebody was standing there. She's, she's maybe 20 yards, 20, 25 yards away from me. And I could tell that she had leaves all over her clothes. And I really thought she had fell down, you know, because she'd had the leaves stuck to her and she was just having a hard time, you know, like I had just caught her after she got up. That's what I remember thinking at first. But she's looking right at me. And as she's looking at me, she's got her arms down to her sides, kind of splayed out a little bit. And her hands are making a fist. And then she just open them real quick. And she'd close them again. And she'd open them real quick. And I can't explain that. That's just what she did. And she's dressed in... What I now remember as layers of gray and dark, dingy clothes. Like mm-hmm. she had a long skirt, dark in color. She had what looked like it might have been another skirt over that. 
she had um, some kind of an apron or something overlayering that. And that was like a gray or dark, dingy color. Um, Probably what was a long shawl over a baggy shirt. Um, And like I said, leaves all stuck to this real long, dark um, hair with gray and kind of scraggly and all splayed, and that had leaves in it, real long hair. And she's just looking right at me, and her skin was kind of a grayish, wasn't white, it wasn't normal, it was like a gray, it was almost like pulled over a skeleton, real tight. And she's just looking directly at me, doing this with her hands, and it scared me so bad that I just... I tried to close my eyes and just like, I don't like her. I, I don't know who that is. I'm just going to close my eyes and she's going to go away or she's going to keep going. And I closed my eyes and I opened them again, hoping that she would be gone. And now she's closer. She's like made half the distance between us. She's half behind this really thin little tree. And she's looking right at me and I can see one side of her and the front of her and her hand is still doing that grip real slow and then like kind of back with her hand. I don't, I don't know what the heck that was. And now I notice this is when I thought, Oh my God, she's really sick because she's got this long string of snot hanging out of her nose. I still remember I could see it. It was green because I remember thinking to myself, green is never good. Because, you know, your mom would ask you, you know, I hate to tell you this, but <laughs> a country or whatever, you, your mom would tell you, spit in my hand. I want to see what color your spit is. And if it's green, you're in trouble because you got an infection. Uh-huh. You know, I remember uh-huh. that. I remember that. That's why I remember it was green. And this thing is hanging down past her waist and it's swinging. What? And uh. I know, I, I know, I know. And. That's what I think at that point in time, I I, I can't really describe it, but it was more like, that's not normal. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not normal. And almost like she read my mind, which was also scary. She just kind of gave a little kind of a, like a sneery kind of smile and just kind of went at me. And that's the only time her hand ever changed. She kind of like, almost like she grabbed at me, even though she was far off and kind of went like a back kind of thing. And I was like, Oh man. And at that point in time, I think that's when I found my legs and I just bolted for that side door. And I ran in that door. I ran in that screen door. I slammed the kitchen door And I just did that little kid thing where you slam it with your back and slide down and hit your butt. And I'm like breathing like, (gasps) you know, I mean, like that. I'm I'm safe. I'm okay. Here's my mom. And now my mom is like just doing this. I can't describe it to you, but it was the most irritating thing for a kid when there's like, you know, you don't understand. And she's doing, oh, you're okay. You're just upset. There's nobody out there. And I'm like, there's a woman out there and there's snot and she's trying to kill me. And she's, you know, and I'm saying all these things. She's going to kill us. And she's, and she's just wandering through the kitchen like, like everything is fine. And it's the most annoying thing that a parent can do. 
And she's like, oh, no, you're just upset. I'm so sorry that I killed the possum. You're just upset about the possum. I'm like, no, she's right. going to kill us. And she leans over me and she goes, I don't see anybody out there. And she leans over me and looks out the window of the door. And at that point in time, I'm like, oh, my God, there's glass up there. It's windows. And I just like I, I realize I'm not safe anymore because this woman can just like go right to the glass and get us both, you know. So I guess in my little kid, <laughs> save yourself, I run through the house and I land on the other side of the house and I land on the couch and I cover myself up with pillows because that's exactly what you do when a monster's after you. Total protection. I'm covered with all these couch pillows now. And I'm like, you don't understand. And I'm screaming through the pillows. She's out there. She's out there. She's out there. And she's still wandering through the house going, I'm not seeing anybody. You're just upset. You know, and I don't know. She's talking about sandwiches and some other kind of crap. And I'm just screaming that she's out there. She's out there. She's going to kill you. Don't go to the window. She goes to the, comes in the living room, looks out the living room window. And she's looking and she's still got the glass of wine in her hand. She goes, no, it's such a pretty, I really need to get out there and rake those leaves. And I'm like, this woman's out of her mind, you know, but as she's talking to me, she's telling me she's looking out of the backyard, not seeing anything. So I think, okay, the woman is gone. Okay. So I come from behind the protection of the magic couch pillows and I jump into the chair next to my mom and look out the back windows with her. And I go, okay, she's gone. Thank God she's gone. I don't know who that was. It must have been a crazy lady in the yard. And there she is standing right behind the tree where I had buried that possum pretty much close to that looking right in the window right at me and my mother and she just smiles and that's the moment I knew I could see things other people couldn't uh, if my mom couldn't see her what the hell was that and then I ran in the bathroom slammed the door and I stayed there I don't know how long wow and luckily, yeah yeah, that was insane. And the whole house was glass, man. There was nowhere to go to get away from this thing. <laughs> I just, I shut down. I shut down. I totally shut down. Can you imagine that? That's that's the moment I realized. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. She yeah. can't see it. This it, woman's looking right at us. Yeah. Because at first you thought this was like a, this is a real it's person. Like, this is like a physical person. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, honestly, I thought she was mad. Like somehow she knew we had killed the possum. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know all the different things that were going through my head at the that's time. That's my pet possum. Yeah. I and don't you know what, you know, like maybe, you know, <laughs> we, we had been caught doing something bad, you know, but then I went through all these stages. First, I thought she had fallen because she's got all these leaves in her hair and everything and her stuck to her clothes. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, right? It sounds kind of so, like a, a fam- the possum might have been a familiar or something. Like a, you know, I I, I don't. That know. That was my first thing. thought. It was a witch's familiar or something when I first heard the story too. Did you? I, I I don't know. I can't. I have no explanation for that. I just know that that was probably the first I had felt real. What I felt was like real dangerous energy before. Like you're not supposed to be here. Get out. And I'm like, okay. And that happened back at the you know haunted farmhouse in that barn, but you know in a couple other places the cellar was kind of like that. But uh, to this point, I had never come face to face with that. The energy coming off of that woman was intense. I, I don't know how to explain it. Wow. But that I wish that was the end of the story, but it really isn't. 
um, we, we, we moved out. We were always moving. Like I said, we were only there for a short time and there were already boxes like throughout the house. We were, we were going and I was like really glad we were only there for a couple more weeks. So I never went out that back door again. I certainly never went in those near, anywhere near those woods or the backyard. I always went out the front door and I wouldn't look at them because I didn't want to see her again. And we were out of there and not long after that, I know we went like to Virginia. We lived there for a while and that's where my mom got really sick. And, uh, she eventually, uh, the cancer got her and she had passed. Now my aunt and uncle came and got me and basically I moved in with them and they lived in the same town. Well, I'm, <laughs> I remember being in the room, they built me this little room on second or second floor and I'm looking out the back window and I'm thinking, oh man, I, this is really nice. I had a real pretty uh, mimosa tree right outside my window and I'm just trying to get back into life again after losing my only parent. I'm basically an orphan now, yeah. you know, um, trying to chill and I'm like, okay, I've gone back to school. I can do this. I can pull it all together. Everything is going to be okay, you know. Um, looking out this window and I remember looking at this mimosa tree and how beautiful those are. If you don't know what those are, those are the little pink fluffy feather like looking flowers on it. it smells really good. And I'm looking through this tree and I'm looking at the woods and I'm thinking, Oh man, this is really nice. And then I'm looking through the woods and I see this little bench and I see a little house and I see some other stuff and I'm like, Oh my God. That was the house we lived in. And now I'm on the other side of those woods where I saw that snot hag and I'm back. Oh, boy. I had no idea. But you never saw her again after that. I felt her. I never saw her again. I felt her, but I never saw her again. And I tried to avoid, you know, just that little thing avoided me looking out that one little window and having any kind of comfort because I always kept my shade, you know, the... I had those little shutter things. I'd always keep them closed and try not to look out there. And if I was ever, you know, you'd forget. You'd go about your life and you forget and you're in the backyard or having a barbecue or something. And then all of a sudden you start getting this feeling and you just don't want to turn around and look because you can't even look at other people to see if they're reacting to it because nobody else can see her. What the heck? You know, mm. one time my cousin threw a Frisbee. <laughs> we were out playing, you know, like Frisbee back in the day. And he threw it and I overshot me and it went over that fence and into those woods. And I said, man, you're going to have to go get that thing. I ain't going in there. (laughs) And he was real mad at me, you know, but I'm like, I'll face you. I'm not going back in them woods though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The snot hag. She still gets me to this day. You know, I, I think everybody has got something that really scares them like that, whether it's the thing in the closet or under the bed or down in the cellar or, you know, that movie or whatever that chills you to the bone. She's mine. Yeah. You know, I got to admit it. She's mine. She's, I, I can't figure that one out. Steve, do you have any thoughts on that story? Uh, it was just, it was a wild story. That's for sure. And I, I love the fact that <clears throat> moved and thought you were safe and they realized you Basically, just moved around a few blocks and you're back. Yeah. I had no clue. I know that sounds stupid to not know that my aunt, aunt's house, I mean, she lived there for as long as I knew her. I didn't know that that was her house because, see, we never went that way to go to her house. I would always walk down the sidewalk and around the block. You didn't go through the woods. You couldn't get through there. 
So I just never, I never, ever, ever even realized it. And that was a shocker, boy. It really threw me back. Mm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you you also had something of like kind of like a a cryptid experience too in the book. Oh jeez, man, that one was terrible. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. I can't explain that one either. And see, that's something in the book too I try to say. It's like I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I really don't think there's experts. You know what I mean? You might be an expert in a certain part of this paranormal. We, Steve and I call it the great paranormal onion. Every time you right. peel back a layer, there's another layer and another layer and another layer, you know, or more questions pop up. I don't have any answers for for her or 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 this thing that we saw, but um, it sure it sure as hell was scary. What did you see? Um, well, we were in this town again, me and my mom, and this is after we left the Sahag. Um, this is where we wound up. We wound up uh, going to Florida, and then we wound up in Virginia. And we were in a place called Deep Creek, Virginia. Now, in Deep Creek, Virginia, there is a huge swamp called the Dismal Swamp. And no offense to anybody who lives in the Dismal Swamp or near the Dismal Swamp, but my God, did they name that thing right? Yeah, it doesn't Dismal, sound like a nice place. It, <laughs> Dismal it was. And it, it, we were living on a... Uh, it was a friend of my mom's, and, and she had had a stroke, and my mom was helping take care of her, which was kind of cool. It was a really nice um, uh, farm, and she had hogs, and she had a couple horses. And, you know, so I was getting really—I I loved being around the animals. So the only bad part about it was it was so, so rural. I mean, the farm she lived on was 650 acres. This was no small piece of property here. And most of the farms out there were that big. This is in the late 70s. So— you know, when you have neighbors, your nearest neighbors a mile away. So the nearest general store and had one gas pump and you just went in there and got, you know, small things that was 10 miles away. The nearest town with a grocery store and a jet and, and a larger store was probably 28 miles away. One, one way. So this one road you went down, went through the dismal swamp, the dismal swamp would be on both sides. And the road was so narrow and it was so scary because the canopy would come over and it would be kind of real dark, even when it was, you know, just in the afternoon and it would start getting dark early there, you know, cause there's no sun's getting through and there was no curb, no guardrail, no anything. And my mom would joke and tell me, this is before you had to wear seatbelts everywhere. And she had a Mustang and she would tell me it was my job to make sure that she wasn't getting too close to the edge, you know, just kept my mind off of things. And she says, and look for animals. Cause you'd have like deer run across and, you know, there's a lot of rattlesnakes and stuff out there. Back, th- back then you'd look for rattlesnakes. Could you run over and hit them? You know, you didn't want the rattlesnake to keep going, you know, and it was just something that went on back then. So that was my job. And I'm sitting real close up to the big dashboard that they had. And I'm watching the tires because I really took my job seriously because I didn't want to wind up in a damn swamp. You know, if your tires went off of there. There was nothing. It was water. It was grasses. And it was just, ugh, you know, and some, lots and lots of trees. So I'm watching and we're talking about something or whatever. And all of a sudden I see this. It didn't run. It didn't gallop. It just walked. And 
this big black thing comes out in front of us. Now, my mom would go very slow on this road because if another car came at the same time in the opposite direction, you really had to watch it because you had to slow down because one of you is going to get pushed off and one of your tires is going to go off. And I'm sure it's different now. And there was a little bridge there that you actually had to wait for the other cars to come over before you could go over. It was that narrow. So you already got this like intense thing going on. And I think I was tense because she was tense. So, you know, little kids picked that up. So I'm watching and this black thing walks in front of the car. And I think I'm going to get to see my first bear. That's what I was thinking. And she's going slow already. And she goes to kind of tap her brakes and slow down even more. And we're kind of just rolling up on this thing, you know, at a very slow, it seems like time to slow down. And she didn't want to slam on the brake and do something else, I guess, with the car. So she's just kind of tapping and we're still headed towards this. And she says, you know, it's not leaving. Well, we can't stop in time. So we're either going to hit it or go around it. And I don't think she wanted to take the chance of going around it. And as we come up on it, you know, the front of the Mustang kind of like scoops down. So I could see a lot of this thing. And then I thought, okay, maybe it's it's not a bear. Maybe it's a hog because it kind of had a body like a hog. We had hogs on the farm, but man, this is big. And then it turns its face like a deer will, like when you're coming at it, it turns and just like gets dead in your headlights kind of thing. It turns its face and looks at us. And my mom says, we're going to hit it. And this face was the most hideous thing I've ever seen. I can't even really describe it. It was like a pig boar kind of thing, but it kind of had some goat features to it. And the ears were kind of wrong. Everything was just wrong about this thing. The legs didn't match it. It, I, I can't explain it. The skin on it was kind of bristly like a hog, but then the face was different. I can't really describe it. And as it's looking at us, I grab the dashboard, and I'm just hanging on ready to hit it. And I promise you, the face kept changing. It Weird. was like morphing at one minute. At one minute, it had like, I know the eyes moved. I can't really tell you if it had like fangy teeth or anything like that. I really wasn't focused much on the mouth, but the whole face just kept moving. And it was like, not once or twice, it was like, bam, 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 bam. It just kept to where you couldn't even focus on it. And I remember one time, I even think it had like a horn in the center of its head or a bump. It was just horrible. And its eyes definitely had like a red hue to it. We didn't have our headlights on. And it was, you know, pretty much daylight, you know, just getting into that twilight, you know, before twilight. Um, I don't know. Maybe we did have our lights on. I can't really remember. But it wasn't that reflective glow. It was more like they're just red. I can't describe it. But anyway, it changed. And I braced for the hit and I quick looked at my mom and I know like she was kind of bracing herself too. And you want to hear that bam or boom and nothing happened. It was like we just rolled over it or it jumped out. 
And she just lands on the brake and just uh, stops. And now we're just sitting there and we're cold silence. And I look at her and I push myself up against the passenger side. And I'm looking straight at her and I'm looking in front of us. And I'm looking at her. And that Daga Mustang had what you call the louver like window on the back. It looked real pretty from the outside, but you couldn't see out the doggone back window. And she's looking in the rear view. She's looking side view and she's trying to get a look out the looper window to see if it's behind us. And she's not saying anything. And I'm like, mom, did you see that? Did you see that? She's not answering me. It's like she's in her own world. And then she broke the silence and she said something really creepy. She said, the water isn't moving. I'm like, what? She repeated it. Almost like she's trying to process this in her head. The water isn't moving. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? You know, what the hell does that mean? I'm a kid. You know, what the hell does that mean? I'm scared to death. She's not answering me. I'm like, mom, did you see that? Where is it? And she's looking. And then she does the scariest thing I've seen her do. She reaches to her side. She grabs a hold of the door handle and she opens the door. And her leg starts to go out the door. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm frozen. I can't say anything. I'm like, she's getting out of the car? What, <laughs> what is she doing? And I think almost to read my mind, she thought better of it. Quick pulled her leg in. Quick slammed the door. And then she hits the gas and she takes off really fast. And then she stops again. I'm like, what the hell? You know? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? And I don't know what she's trying to do. Now I'm looking back thinking, okay, was she trying to like dislodge it? Was she seeing if it was under the car? What is she doing? What does it mean the water isn't moving? Now I think back and maybe she was thinking, well, didn't jump to either side because there's water on both sides of us. And if it had jumped to either side of us, the water would be moving. It's the only sense I can make of that. I never got to ask her. Hmm. So I have to just guess now. So I don't know what the quick pull forward and go stop was, whether she thought it was under the car and she was trying to dislodge it. I I, I don't have a clue because I never felt a hit. It, I, I can't explain it. And she's still trying to look out those darn louver back window and she's looking at the side view window again. And I'm just asking her questions. She's not answering. Did you see its face? You saw that, right? You saw its face and she's not answering me. And then all of a sudden she just hits the gas and she full tilt boogie all the way home. And I just like covered my head and I just like, my God, what just happened? And I remember hearing the gravel, the tires hit the gravel. I mean, you know that as a kid, you hear that gravel, tires hitting the gravel of your driveway, your home, right? And you feel a little bit better. We made it. And I, that's when I come, came out of it and I'm looking at her and I'm waiting for her to say something. She's saying nothing. And when she stops the car, and that's the first thing she said to me, she looked at me and she said, you stay right here. Said, yes, ma'am. She gets out of the car. She leaves the driver's side open and she starts walking around the car, starting with the side and the back. And I'm watching her through the, through the windows and the mirrors. And she's running her hand along the car i'm guessing now to see if there's dents bumps something i don't know she goes around the back she leans down a little she comes back around and she comes by me and then she gets to the front of the car and she kneels down and she takes her hand over the front looks around 
And she stands back up, puts both hands on the hood of that car and hangs her head and just starts crying. And I slowly got out of the car. And I went up to her and she said, I know we hit it. There's no marks on this car. We're not talking about this anymore. Yes, ma'am. Now, what was that? (laughs) Steve, what was that? You got any thoughts, man, on (laughs) that? (laughs) Man, you you got me. I've I've got a similar story in one of my books. People were traveling from Alabama to East Tennessee, following each other. They were in two vehicles. And they, the lead vehicle hit something that, depending on which witness you talk to, it looked like either a large black cat like a panther or a guy in a wetsuit crawling across the road. And they actually had, like, blood and stuff on their car. Went back, thought they'd kill somebody, never found a thing. There's no body. There's no carcass. And it was in a swampy area like that. And then, you know, in South Carolina, Bishopville, you've got the— the lizard man. I uh-huh. think there's some kind of cryptid or weird entities that like to come out of the water and scare people. You know, creature from the Black Lagoon type stuff. I, I don't know. It's just I, I have no answer for that. But that's a lot of the fun, I think, and a lot of the mystery and the intrigue is not having an answer. Because if you knew what it was, it probably wouldn't be anywhere near as entertaining. You know, it probably it could be something simple, but I don't think so. I just there's. Things out there that that don't have any rational explanation. Is, is there any lore around that area? Because that's like the Delmarva oh Peninsula. Gosh, yeah. Like, is anybody talk about like there's weird creatures in the in the swamp? Oh yeah, I mean, Steve, you've got. I mean, there's been. Uh, wasn't there a whole squad or uh, company of Civil War soldiers who disappeared out there in the Dismal Swamp? Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I'd have to look up that article. Yeah, there was like a yeah. a battalion or whatever they call it that it marched into the swamp and never came back out. So yeah. where those guys yeah. Get, yeah. <laughs> did There's something get them? Of- did they desert? Who knows? Yeah, Ooh, wow. I don't have a clue. I've heard everything from black dog. It was not a black dog. But, yeah. you know, who knows what it was? I mean, in, in all that changing, obviously, if it was changing... You know, um, it could have looked like anything, but it wasn't a hog and it wasn't, a, you know, wasn't a boar because I've seen both of those and it wasn't anything like that. Everything was just wrong on it from the legs to the the body shape and everything. And like I said, I don't recall the body changing. I was focused on that face. So I couldn't tell you what the legs and the body. I just I can't tell you, you know. But uh, I've heard uh, Harbinger of Doom. I've heard Shapeshifter. Um, I'm thinking, what did it panic and was trying to like blink itself out? I, I don't know. I mean, Makes you know, you everything, everything sounds crazy, but you know what I mean? There's lots of stuff out there we don't understand. Like the thing that my friend and I saw when we were kids. It looked like a man. I mean, it was it was upright. It could only see it from about the shoulders up, but it had a horse's head. But it wasn't a normal horse's head. It had both eyes in the front, but it had these huge horse teeth, and it was grinning ass. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Is that not nuts? I mean, yeah, and did, and the- didn't you say his face kind of changed too, or no? Yeah, it just it. 
I, I, it was just, it was so quick and so scary. And my friend saw it about the same time I did. And we took off. And these people lived way out in the country. Their driveway was like probably a mile long. And we mm-hmm. took off. We were about halfway down, took off back up the driveway, screaming our heads off. And his dad happened to be outside. His dad and his mom, they heard us coming up the driveway. And uh, his dad got a shotgun and went back down there to see what it was. And we kept you know, listening. We're waiting for a shot. Never heard anything. But when he came back, he told us, like, you boys don't play around there. You know, there's this, they had huge acreage there, a couple hundred acres, like all kinds of places to play. Don't go back down there. This was in the edge of a, a few days later. He actually pulled that shack down on the tractor and burned it. So I, we, I've always thought he found something or <laughs> it, saw it, something. It, it or cut just, out on us, Steve. What was it on the edge of? Uh, it was on the edge of a, a little gravel quarry there. Okay. Uh, and there was a little shack up on the top. And that's where this thing was. We were in the quarry. We were kids. We were looking for dinosaur bones. And then we look up, and here's this thing, like a man. And, and he was dressed in black, almost like like a judge's robe or something. It was flowing. Had a, a horse's head with both eyes in the front. I mean, wide. They looked like the size of grapefruits. And then it had these big, square horse teeth. And it just, like, grinned at us, you know. And it's like, all I could see was these giant eyes and teeth. And it had, like, a... The head was black, too, but it had, like, an X on the forehead area above the eyes. And it was just like, oh, I mean, we were just insane with fear. Yeah. But... No clue as to what it was, but I said I think the dad saw something or knew something because when he came back, he just he had a very it wasn't like ah oh, okay you boys he's just like don't play down there anymore. There's a lot of a lot of places here you can play, and then he he pulled that little shack down and burned it. So there was mm. that's an exclamation point. That's a, that's an exclamation <laughs> point and an underline of everything you saw because he didn't just pull it down. He burnt that sucker. Burned it, yeah. You know, yeah. like he either got a bad feeling yeah. about it or, you know, it wasn't just I don't want them to play in there. It's like something's in there. I don't want to survive. I'm burning this. You know, I mean, to me, that yeah. just that just gives me chills. But and you know, I can who, still see him coming back up the driveway with a shotgun over his shoulder. He just had this. Very grim look on his face. It wasn't, you know, ah, you boys saw something that scared you, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was no humor, no, really nothing. He was just kind of blank and just like, don't play down there anymore. And that's, like you said, that's an exclamation point that. Yeah. Well, it's just natural. People are going to be very, very afraid of things that they don't understand and things that, you know, go past your logic. I mean, my mother was a warrior, and I mean, you know, I've seen this woman fight, you know, natural day-to-day things, um, crisis, you know, people getting hurt. She was the calm one in the room. My father losing his mind with his, you know, what you want to call shell shock or PTSD or alcoholism. I mean, he was violent. He was a huge, you know, he could be extremely uh, ominous you know what i'm saying he was a large man you had alcohol to all that you know height and you know just and she would just battle you know no fear no shaking just stand up protect her kids the that time she was white 
And I was never used to seeing her like that. Mm. She saw something. She felt something. She could not explain it. And it scared me to no end. And she was, you know, it was not long after I lost her, you know. Now, you can say connect the two things. I don't know. I mean, there'll be many people will tell you that was a harbinger of doom. That was this. Okay. I can't say it wasn't. It's certainly, you know, if it, if it came to warn of something bad, you know, it was correct. But I tend to think more like maybe it was a shape shifter or something along those lines that just panicked. And was trying to trying to get the right look. Let me see. Let me try this. Nope, that's wrong. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try the let me try the horn. I'll get the horn. Maybe, that, maybe that'll work. Well, I'm I tend to think more like I can't really explain it, but if there is something, you know, and being Native American, I do tend to believe that because certainly wiser elder people, you know, much smarter than me believe that. You know, so I can't say it's mm-hmm. it doesn't exist, but I don't know how it works. So if they're in that situation and they're trying to blink out or maybe disappear or why didn't it just walk away? Why didn't it just back up? Yeah. You know, I mean, these are all questions are good questions. Why would you sit there with this thing coming towards you? And change your face. What is that accomplishing? I have no. Are you trying to scare us? I mean, what's the purpose of that? None of it makes any sense. You know, from anybody's vantage point, from its vantage point, my mother's, mine. You know, but I can tell you, it was damn scary, and it still is to this day. And I can't explain it. I've never heard an explanation that matches it. I didn't. Mm. I don't know what it was. Let's. It makes you wonder what those. Soldiers saw when they marched off into the swamp and never came back out. Yeah, really. But, right. <laughs> probably the, you know, probably I mean, the horseman with the robe. <laughs> but to have that face that wasn't quite right to begin with. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> I mean, I have no clue what this thing was or what it was trying to do in the first place is la di da walking through the swamp here let me try some different things you know and we caught it in the middle of it i I don't know i don't Mm. know i mean maybe it was some kind of uh, i don't know (laughs) practicing is shape shifting and yeah yeah but like got caught me like okay in the the time that we have left guys let's talk i want to talk a little bit about the grinners Oh, my God, the Grinners. Oh, jeez. Yeah, see, when, my, when, when Steve was telling about the, the horse head guy thing, and you say it, it, it smiles at you, there's a certain moment there where you see it, like, like the snot hag. You see it, it sees you, it knows you see it, and it wants you to know that it knows that it knows, you know what I mean? And that's what that. <laughs> that's grin- when the smile came. This whole like rictus thing with teeth, you know, bigger yeah. than ice cubes. And it's just like, <laughs> like, oh my god! But there's that grin. <laughs> I know that you know that I know, and there's the grin. And I don't care what that comes off of. You know what I mean? It could come up. It could come. If there's anything you 
can think of that that could come uh, come at that time and it would freak <laughs> you'd look at a baby and it do it and, and it's, go, it's not a friendly grin at all it's not it's a, a, i own you i can toy yeah. with you like a cat yeah. and a mouse yeah. you know you can't get away from me you're mine and i know it and you know it and surprise yeah, yeah. that's creepy and i've seen it i've seen it multiple times one of the first times i ever saw it there's this thing you were asking the beginning of uh, you know, empath or sensitive or having any kind of abilities. And again, I, I just think everybody does. I think we're born inherently with an intuition, with a gut instinct, whatever you want to call it. And the more you exercise that, the more, you know, the stronger it may get, whether it's doing push-ups physically or anything, you know, playing a piano. Some people are just better at it. It doesn't mean we don't, we all, but we just, you know, strengthen it in different ways. And yeah, if you, you yeah, know, work, yeah. work, okay. Uh -huh. So I basically had gotten to the point where um, I knew I had an ability and I had been warned um, through many different channels, uh, spiritual channels, basically Native American, um, a, a lot of Buddhist, Buddhism, you know, and Christianity and priests and things like that. I tried to get information from everywhere. And basically they said, you know, when you walk into it, a room where somebody else has an ability and they may not realize it, but there are energy vampires out there. And basically an en energy vampire is as scary as it sounds, but it's not as scary as it sounds. Some people just drain your energy and they don't even realize they're doing that. You know, you walk into a room and you leave and this person just made you just just tired you know it could be as simple as that mm -hmm. or you're already in the room and the person enters and you just feel all the energy sucked out of that room and you, right and right you usually pick which person it was to like yeah. yeah i don't do that but then there's the ones who do it intentionally for an evil purpose and that's just to drain your energy like you have some energy and they want more of it and they're going to take it from you so i walk into the store and i've got my niece with me and she's pretty much she I was trying to teach her how to develop her her abilities as well. And I said, if we ever walk into a situation, I tell you to get behind me, you do so without questioning. Do you understand? And she said, Yes, ma'am. So we were in that situation and I walked in and I felt something. And I said, Get behind me. And I was trying to figure out where it was coming from. Because there was a couple people in the store, there was a couple people behind the counter. And then I looked and I spotted her. And she's sitting down. She worked at the store. I, don't, I think she was the owner. And she kind of, at the time I saw her, I think she was picking up that I saw her. And she lifted her head and she turned it and she looked right at me. And she grinned. And it was that grinning, that knowing grin that I'm talking about. And the just, it just the energy just shoots through you. And she knew I knew what she was doing and she was letting me know she knew it and we just backed out I, i've got a thing that i kind of put up for like protection we just backed up out of there because i walked into her territory and i knew i was just back right out of it we're cool you know now that happens in the one case i think that scared me the most i was working in the store and i could feel it coming towards me and i've got multiple people around me and i'm like okay where is it and right away, you just start trying to pin where it is. 
and where it's coming from because you want to try to put up your protection, but you got to keep doing what you're doing too. It's not like, you know, it's, it's your job. You can't just leave, you know? Um, but at that point in time, if it's something bad, I'd, I'd walk out on quick because of something like that. Nope. Absolutely. I would. Cause it's just, it's for all the marbles, you know? I mean, it's like a, a silent battle. It's so weird to describe it that way, but that's exactly what it is. It's a silent battle. And this thing, it keeps coming towards me. And I, I kind of pinned it at this one woman and I'm watching her take stuff out of her cart. And I'm thinking, that's not right. Something else. And then I find it. And it's this little kid. He's probably four or five years old. And if you want to talk about, if anybody's ever seen the omen. Oh yeah. Uh, you know the way they're dressed. The way that little boy was dressed, like yep. a little, not Lord Fauntleroy, but like a little, yeah. a little yeah. suit uh, with little loafers and the little gray argyle socks, that kind of dress, little suit coat. I think he was even wearing <laughs> a tie, little sucker. <laughs> and he's sitting in this cart, and he's kicking this woman. I'm supposing his mother, who just looks haggard, but she's well put together, haggard. You know, but you could just, I could feel her energy was very, very extremely tired. And he's just kicking her every time she came by the cart with these little hard shoes. And I'm watching him do it. And I'm like, my God, it's coming from him. And it's just this pure evil energy. And I, I know it's horrible to say that evil energy can come from a child. But if you think that that's a bad thing to say, or you think that's coming off the, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. Then you don't know this subject very well because I'm <laughs> telling you, it can happen. It can happen. Rob, you and need I, to put the theme from the omen in this in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, what's creepier, right? You know, because I don't. That's do I think that it was strange. a precious little child? Do I think it was a precious little child, or I think maybe something had the child? I can't tell you that. That's I can't tell you that. But when he turned his head and he looked at me and he gave me that grin, I was staggered. I was staggered. I was actually knocked off my mark a little, you know, because I had to continue doing what I was doing and help the girl I was helping. And then I found a way to just back out of there because there was nothing I could do. What am I going to do? Knock on, you know, tap the mom and go, excuse me. Do you know that your child is a demon? He's <laughs> wanting to warn you. You may want to get some help there. Have a nice day. What do you do? Steve, isn't the uh, smiling man, isn't that kind of like a motif in uh, literature? And <laughs> you yeah, heard like the people that have encountered him in real life, too. Yeah. And that's what yeah. he does. He just stands, he watches, and then when you take notice, he grins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had a similar instance with a child when I was probably 10 or 12 years old. I was coming out of the little grocery store in East Tennessee, and there's a little kid, and I just thought, there's something not right about that kid. And about the time I think that, he turns and looks me square in the eye, and his eyes were like a cat's eyes. The pupils were slits. And then they changed, and then he grinned at me, and I'm just like, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But the weird thing, the guy that was with me, my best friend, after we walked, he's like, did you see that kid's eyes? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't like, let's go back and check him out or 
I just he was with a parent or an adult, but yeah, he had, and it's like he read my mind. It's like he got that look, yeah. you know. And I've had that happen before. I was in Gallenberg one time, and there was this guy that looked like something out of Lord of the Rings. He's standing on the sidewalk up there looking off into the mountains and he's holding some kind of a like a, a staff but it looked like a boat paddle because it was larger on top and it had these weird symbols cut into it and i'm thinking man that guy is weird and the t- about the instant i thought that he does a full 180 turn looks at me and he didn't grin he just smiled and then turned right back around and kept staring off into the mountains and i i got out of there that was he was a grinner. He just didn't grin. He just smiled. But same thing. Yeah. Just it's like he heard what I was thinking. That, that's yeah. so weird that you mentioned that. Right. Because because yeah. our friend Doctor Future, you probably heard him on the show. He talks about where he went to Area Fifty One. Okay, he was out there with a friend of his, and they were driving around trying to see how close they could get. And they drive by like this guy standing next to a car in like full wizard gear. And he's like got a staff and he's just like looking into the distance. And then they like, they go to where they go and then they come back just like a few minutes later. And the guy's gone. The car's gone. The guy's gone. Like what? Like what the world's going on? You know, know what kind of car does a wizard drive? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm, about to, I'm about to ask Tim Renner what he drives. So maybe I can get. <laughs> There's just so many things, man. I mean, you know, even uh, David Weatherly talks about, you know, they're driving down the road and all of a sudden they pass what he called the smiling man. Or uh-huh. wasn't it? Was it the smiling man or the grinning man? I don't know. It's one of the two. But it's that same, I know you know, and I'm going to let you know. You know what? It's just, it's it's a feeling that comes with it. And it's just like, what are you going to yeah, do? It's like, that? if you're smart, you you'll keep this between us. Yeah, it's yeah like, exactly. I, you exactly. know, and I know that you know, but let's keep it quiet. And then they, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's, none it's none of my business. I'm out of here. They're, they're, you know? they're taking human form. That's what's going on. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy world, man. I mean, we, you know, we don't have explanations for everything, but these things happen. There's way too many stories out there. I mean, these are mine in the book. These are just some of the things that have happened to me. It's a wonder I'm not in a you know padded room on Thorazine or something at this point. <laughs> you know, maybe I should be. I don't know. Of, but- of course, of course, if it was Rob, the uh, the smiling man would be a clown waving at him, smiling. Oh, see that? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't know how more of these clowns aren't getting killed because I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand that. You know, there should be more like clowns being, you know, massacred and stuff. I don't think even people doing that, it doesn't make any sense why you would dress up like that. I've never been a fear factor person. I don't understand how that show stayed on as long as it did because my sons used to watch it and I'd come in the living room. And I'm like, look, if an alien jumps out of a garbage can and jumps me like that, it's going to take five or six people to pull me off of that thing. <laughs> you know? yeah, I'm going to use everything I can get my hands on and just, you know, because you're just going to go into wild survival primal mode. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who doesn't? Who wouldn't, you know? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would I would never sneak up on Rob dressed as a clown. He'd kill me. 
I, I know that much. <laughs> well, they're creepy. Yeah. I'm sorry to all the clowns out there who are listening to the show tonight. But, well, you know. no, and, and that's, 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 that's why I try to explain to people. The clowns were complaining. I don't. When I go to the, when I go to the fair and I see like a group of clowns hanging out, like I'm not comfortable, but I deal with it. You know, if I come home from work and there's one in my backyard, I'm going for blood. Like, <laughs> Lock and loose. But that's just, you know, go back to your territory. You've got no business standing in my backyard. Like, right. just there. nobody thinks cloud blood. It'd be like full of glitter and confetti. <laughs> I would make a confetti. You glitter pops out of confetti. Well, have, you, have you seen the movie Clown? Have you seen that movie? No. So, no. so, so the plot of the movie Clown is that he he puts on this like cursed clown outfit that turns him into an evil clown, and he can't take it off. And so, so at one point, he like he he tries to commit he he does commit suicide, but he ends up coming back. So he blows his he blows his brains out, and you see like it's like glitter and confetti and like multicolored on the wall. <laughs> Uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. But yeah, the real clowns have been complaining. You know, these people putting on clown costumes and scaring people are giving us a bad name. You know, it's like, you know, that's that's a powerful union there. I'm sure. What are they going to yeah. do? Take the shoes and the nose away from them? It's like, yeah. The sad. The sad Give me your shoulder-sized shoes. Let me. It wasn't it. Rob was telling the story where they had found an old shack that was filled with clown paraphernalia or something. Yes, we talked about that oh, on the show yeah. when yeah. I was on with Adam before. Yeah. We yeah. wanted to know what That's clown paraphernalia was. Yeah, it was like, like, like a little flower that squirts water. There was some oversized shoes. That's <laughs> insanity. That's just <laughs> creepy. <laughs> bicycle horn. Okay. Clown. Creepy. Well, listen. I mean, you, you, anything standing in your yard. Now, honestly, that's that just it could be a perfect human being standing in your backyard. That's creepy. I mean, you look for a minute. It takes you a minute to process it. You know, you're going to go outside. Go. What are you doing standing in my yard? What's the deal? But just that alone is creepy. And I will make a confession here on the show. I used to make fun of the Michael Myers and all that. I mean, I did. I mean, I just was never into the slasher stuff. And I just thought it was yeah. stupid. I mean, why are these women running and falling and breaking her ankle and running into things? And what? And I don't understand this movie. I just didn't, you know, because um, the kids would like it. And the boys, you know, whatever. I, I understood Freddie more. I'm like, OK, that's got a premise. But this guy just standing there, that's not creepy. And he's just walking like the mummy. Just walking. That's not creepy. My just friend, run away, right? <laughs> I Listen, I, I got put in my place and I will I will on I will tell it internationally now, make my confession. My son takes me to a haunted place. I was all sad, much like a clown sitting there going, Oh, it's Halloween. I've got nobody to make a costume for. There's no trick-or-treaters. What the heck? You know? So he goes, Come on, mom, let's go. So he takes me to this local, actually it turned out to be pretty cool. It was a fire station, whatever, put on a haunted house. And it was kind of neat. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to be, you know, I, everything you could expect happened. And there was a clown on stilts that came at me, and I thought it was great. And I screamed, and I said, do it again, do it again. And he did. It was great. And I screamed. It was wonderful. So we left, and 
uh, we go out the back end when it leaves and there's this like MC ghost host or something that takes you through. And I wanted to say, thanks, man. You saved my Halloween. This was awesome. And I'm talking to the guy. And then I look at my son and he's kind of standing away from me and he's just looking and I know the look and he's smiling and he's waiting. And I'm like, what? And he's like, and I know something's behind me by the look on my son's face. And he, I go, I turn around and there's this guy in the full, uh, you know, Mike Myers with the, was it Mike Myers with the hockey mask? Or the uh, other one? Jason Burries. Yeah, it was Jason. He's Mike, dressed Mike like Myers him. wears the William Shatner mask. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's this kid standing there in full dress. He's standing right behind me. And I look at him and I go, okay, but I'm trying to play cool. I'm like, okay, man, this is really funny. You scared me. Thank you very much. Happy Halloween. I'm trying to play it off. He's not leaving. And he's walking closer to me. And I'm like, okay, dude, that's enough. Happy Halloween. Cool get up. And he just keeps walking toward And I'm backing up. And I'm doing the thing. I'm backing up. And I'm backing away from him. And I'm like, okay. And I'm trying to get away from him so I don't cold cock him. I'm trying so hard not to hit him. <laughs> because I'm about to just lose it on him and I'm trying so hard not to hit him. That's why I'm walking away and I'm backing up. And he's just coming at me and I'm like, okay, this is enough. And I'm like, and then I start to trot a little and I start to run to the ground and I'm going toward the car. I can't get car. And my son's laughing because the car door is blocked. I can't get in. And then I just turn around and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I give it's scary. It's scary. Here's a hug. And I just hugged him. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Michael Myers just needed a hug. That's all it was. Fight, fly, fight, and flutter, hug. And yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> I had to admit at that time, I had to eat my words and say, okay, damn it, it's scary. <laughs> but, you know, it, these things come at us. I, like I said, I, I, some of the things in the book, I have a little bit of an explanation for over time. I've come very, I've not come easy to some of the conclusions I had. And I try to give, you know, okay, what do you think it was? Let's try this. Here's everything that happened. Here's like even down to the reaction of pets and what it could have been or what it might've been. But here's why I think this, this is why I landed on this um, conclusion to some of the things that happened to me because I have had a long time to think about it and a lot of people to talk to about it and ask their opinions and you know until something else comes along to change that you know I'm not saying that it you know uh, something might change my mind about something that happened to me at this point but I try to leave it up to the reader and so does Steve and Steve just tries to come through behind the uh, chapters and give like a color he thinks about it or maybe an anecdote or something it reminded him of and I think it's a little different I, I like the way it came out I hope you enjoyed reading it yes we did I, yeah I did very good there, there uh, you go yeah, definitely thank you for writing it putting it down on paper and, and preserving it you know preserving your stories where, where can people get the book 
It is available right now on ebook. Um, introductory price is seven ninety nine. We tried to keep it low, um, and you can gift it. There's a little thing there you can gift it and give it to people for the holidays. Um, and actually, today, thank you, Steve, has been working tirelessly mm-hmm. to turn it get into the PDF so we can actually put it in a paper copy too. So that should be out this week as well. Oh, Both nice. of them are available on Amazon Kindle. And uh, then I'm going to get some and then uh, we'll be able to actually send them to people and autograph copies. And I'm trying to get Steve out here to me and get him into Gettysburg. And maybe we can sit there and uh, at the Gettysburg bash and sign some copies and at the Paracon there. And that would be really cool. So okay. I'm hoping people enjoy it. I hope it maybe eases some mind, maybe eases some grief from people, you know, if it, if it helps you about, you know, the loss of a pet or something else and gives you hope then that is my intention, you know, and if it makes you think that, okay, maybe what I saw, I'm not so crazy, or at least if I'm crazy, I've got a lot of company. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and Steve, where can people get in touch with you? Um, my books are available on Amazon. Um, strange things in the wood, more strange things in the woods and my strange world are the three that I have. In addition to the one I helped Cisco with there, she did most of the heavy lifting. I just kind of followed around behind her and tried to, to keep it at a minimum because I didn't want to detract from the wonderful stories that she told. Uh, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, emails in the back of my books. I love to hear from, from fans. I get a lot of mail, people, you know, similar stories or they enjoyed the story and it reminded them of something that happened to them. And that that always is a good feeling. Uh, I've got some other books in the works and actually I've got a film project that I've been brought on to. Can't say much about it yet, Uh but it could be interesting. So stay tuned. I'll have more details as they develop. Excellent. Well, thank you, guys. Um, Stay on the line for us. We're going to. Close out this section and uh, we'll be back to close out the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. I love those guys. It's been a while since we've had them both on, but like, I, yeah. I just love, I love. I always say this every time, but I, I love the storyteller episodes, you know, where we get like, yeah, you know, just a, um, an author that's got a compilation of just the, the random and the weird and the, the, that, that, that's what I live for. The with, random and the weird. And with them, we've got two for the price of one basically. Right. So yeah, I, I love those too. I love the personal experience episodes. Those are high strangeness. Yeah. Those, those are my favorites. And, there, there's some uh, there's some positive stories in there too. I don't know why I kind of went over to like the monsters and crap, but snot like hag. that was uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not hag. <laughs> that was really uh, those are some really good, interesting stories. So I thought you know those would be good to talk about uh, for sure. Check out the book, guys. I mean it's it is good if you enjoy just kind of like the simple kind of storytelling, and it's all true stories. Uh, this is Cisco's first book, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's Cisco's first book. And Steve, Steve's other two books I've had, I have and I've read, and, and they're both amazing too. Yeah, yeah. His uh, something is in the woods. <laughs> strange things in the woods. Strange, more things, strange in the woods. things in the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the uh, scary stories of tell in the dark. Oh, dude, 
You remember those the, the books? Co- yeah, the, oh, the cover artwork from those books terrifies me to this day. Oh, man. Most of the artwork on there, like, terrifies you. Yeah. It was like, uh, I remember there was one, like, that was, it was like a, like, some girl is getting married and, like, she ends up, like, trapping herself in a chest and, like, they find her years later. Oh, and the, God. Like, you know, the, like, yeah. the picture is, the picture is of her, like, this some, like, skeleton eyes Dude, just, I, like, with I, her mouth open. Just, I was, like, like, 12 when I read those yeah. books and, like, I was horrified. <laughs> I loved them, man. I ate those yeah. things up, dude. Yeah, I'm th- always looking for them in the library. Yeah, they've <laughs> got them, I think, in a compilation. I saw them over there, like, the uh, Books a Million. So, what do you think of that? Uh, Sergio, that was pretty cool. I like those stories too, and some really weird stuff. Yeah, that was strange. Like then the, we had some tie-ins with some head. things of these last episodes and the yeah old green eyes and yeah, green eyes is coming up a lot. I think yeah. we need to make a field green, trip. Green eyes episode. Yeah, it's not far. No, it's not. I need to take you guys hours. down there. We'll uh, find we'll some green eyes. Green eyes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we can interview him. Yeah. So, we're recording this a couple of days before Thanksgiving, which this will not be out until after Thanksgiving. But I I thought in appreciation of Thanksgiving that uh, (laughs) we could read this news story (laughs) to close out the show. (laughs) Police, man who threatened to blow up a restaurant, says he meant poop, not bomb. Restroom. Oh, restroom. No, yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, it's his restaurant on the on the article. Oh, the the uh, one I the one I read said, yeah. He he, th- th- man says he's gonna blow up restroom. Did not mean a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the other one. I use that term. I do too all the time. And I was saying like, and don't like, bl- oh man, did you blow it up. And, and that's what I was like. It's like it's like it's like a mugshot of this like poor dude, and it's like man, he gets arrested for this. Uh, so he actually got arrested. So a man accused of threatening to blow up a fried chicken joint in New Orleans said he was referring to a bowel movement, not an actual bomb. <laughs> the Times Picayune reports that 30-year-old Arthur Posey was charged in connection with a bomb threat at Willie's Chicken Shack on November 13th. Posey claims he told a male employee that he was going to blow the bathroom up. But the restaurant manager <laughs> recounted a different scenario. <laughs> so he actually said, "Blow the bathroom up." That, that, was, that was the first. Come on, dude. that was that was the, the that you was. You don't the, need to work at a fried chicken joint if you don't know what "blow the bathroom up" means. Right. <laughs> the man, the manager said Posey entered the establishment around seven p.m. and asked her what time they closed. She told him she did not know, and they got into a heated argument. How did she not know when they closed? The manager told police at one point, Posey said, y'all about to close right now because I'm going to get a bomb and blow this place up. According to the newspaper, a responding officer said the manager was slightly shaking as she gave her side of the story. Still, Posey denies making any threats and claims it was all a misunderstanding. He's facing two counts of communicating false information of planned arson. A, a mental competency hearing is scheduled for November 29th in this case. Man, this poor okay. man. So, <laughs> mental competency. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm gonna blow blow the bathroom up. <laughs> this sounds like a serious case of miscommunication to me. And somebody this like possibly 
I don't know the situation, but maybe a little bit afraid of black people to begin with. <laughs> well, we don't know like, the color. We actually don't know the race, the color of the of the manager. We don't, doesn't matter. We do we know, know. We do know from the mugshot that this was a black dude that walked in and said, "I'm going to blow up your bathroom," and then suddenly was arrested. I know that's never happened to me. <laughs> so. Do you normally go into restaurants and be like, man, I'm going to go in here and blow the bathroom It's up. happened. <laughs> Is that something that you do? <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, go ahead. We're, yeah. we're, we're, uh, we're fine with that. Yeah. Just light a match. <laughs> <laughs> I was working with a, with a coworker, an ex-coworker of mine, and he said, uh, he said he came out of the porta potty. He said, "I make bomb, <laughs> atomic bomb." <laughs> Did you call the cops? No. Oh, what the hell? I should have. I guess I should have called <laughs> Homeland Security on. So. Yeah, you, yeah, you could have done that. What was it uh, that he said that he uh, facing two counts of communicating false information of planned arson? <laughs> What? They're just coming up with stuff now. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> you lied about pretending to blow something up. <laughs> <laughs> just like you going back, you you going about your day, you know, and you all of a sudden, yeah, go, gotta go, man. Nature but, hits you, man, right? How, how long are you open? Because I gotta, I gotta go. I have to go take a number two. If you had phrased it like that, it'd be all good. Like, you know, how long are you open? Because I'm gonna blow your bathroom up. <laughs> Arrested. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just another day in America. Well, I hope the press gets him a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this is going all over Facebook. I've seen it all over the place today. <laughs> Not exactly a conspiracy theory or a paranormal story, but we just thought we share just in uh Celebration of the of the season yeah. of Thanksgiving of possibly blowing up the bathroom. There's gonna be a lot of bathrooms blown up this week. <laughs> I'm definitely planning. I'm gonna blow mine up. I hope Alyssa doesn't call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Rob can commits blowing up the bathroom. Rob, tell everybody about uh, our Patreon where they can find us. All that good stuff. Yeah, if you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com slash conspiranormal. There's various tiers there. We got a lot of bonus episodes, other bonus content up there. Uh, it helps us do what we do. helps us pay for uh, hosting and you know studio renovations and, and all that good stuff. Um, if you don't want to uh, subscribe to anything, you can go to conspiranormal.com for a one-time donation. If you don't want to contribute there and you still want to support the show, just tell your friends. Give us a five-star review. We love that. We've got some really cool new uh, patron episodes up, too. Yeah, we do. We do. The Aaron Gillius one is really cool. Yeah. We we ended up talking about uh, mind control. All kinds and of stuff. Weird. Yeah. That we, uh, we also, Rob, uh, you're going to be, you're still with us. Still with us. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but you're going to be scaling back a little bit. We're going to be doing like. We're going to be doing some surfiels and do some over here. Yeah, we I got some renovations coming up here in the studio and I'll be busy a lot and you know, got a lot of other stuff going on in in life, but I'll be here for roughly every hour of the episode whenever I whenever I'm available. So, 
Yeah. We got to change up the location, you know, to keep them. Yeah. Keep them guessing. Yeah, yeah. Keep it guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's like, was this recorded there? Or was it over there? I it's don't harder. Know. It's harder for them to mess up our internet if they don't know where we're yeah. at. Or blow up the bathroom. Yeah. Or blow up our bathroom. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, but once you do get this whole, this whole thing fixed, I think it's going to be a lot better. Yeah. Um, especially like you were talking <laughs> about fixing the roof. So, squirrel proofing. Squirrel proofing. No more up. Illuminati squirrels. So I think that once you get that done, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot better. And, uh, all right. Well, that's it guys. Um, next time is going to be an interesting show. It's going to be kind of a double guest show. Uh, have someone coming on that hit me up about coming on the show that wanted to talk about a book on intelligent design. So I'm really curious to dig into this and talk to him about it. And then we're going to be also be talking with Walter Bosley. Uh, he's going to come on. We're going to, I'm just going to talk to Walter about secret space program stuff, empire, of the wheel, latest news on that and all that. So, That'll be the next show. And we're rapidly winding down 2018. And it's got a f- couple others, like I think three more episodes after that. And then 2018 is over. So that'll how things are going to f- be looking on Conspiranormal. I wasn't ready. He freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs>
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.